Welcome to TND Talk, a special series on the TND World Line Life podcast channel. For each episode, companies can share their stories about how they're supporting the electric utility industry. Through their tools, technologies, products, and services, they're helping line workers and field workers improve their productivity and safety. This podcast episode focuses on fiber through the grid. Our guest is Sean Adam, Vice President of Market Strategy and Innovation for AFL. Sean earned his master's degree in electric engineering from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and has more than 25 years of experience in the semiconductor and telecom industry with a focus on system-based solutions and architectures. Sean, thank you for joining us today for TND Talk. Thank you, Amy. To begin, please share with our listeners about the emerging requirements on the electric grid. Sure. So, you know, the utilities and the kind of dealing with the electric grid, they actually have a bunch of things that are now facing them. One's actually not emerging. It's kind of been looming, which is really the aging infrastructure, right? And so there, the utilities have to be focused on replacing the infrastructure that's there. And so that's kind of already there, but then you have all these new things. So, you know, I think very much top of mind right now is addressing climate change. I can actually tell you my morning started with hunkering down in my cellar because Massachusetts had a very uncommon tornado event. And we've had a number of this month. That's kind of something that we're not used to. But I think part of those challenges that we face, right? And if you look at the total cost of kind of climate-related disasters over the last five years, it's been close to $600 billion, right? So it's about $119, $120 billion average cost. And so that's certainly something that they have to address. You know, there's the ongoing electrification of our society overall. And so the grid has to be keeping up with that. And of course, we have the green movement, right, which really actually hits the grid in two ways. One is the deployment of renewable energy, but the other is the ability to support electric vehicles, which are really going to start to dominate the roads in the 2030s. And through all of this, those two things, that kind of green movement actually creates this need for the grid to a requirement that it actually is able to deal with dynamic energy, right? Dynamic demand and dynamic creation. And so that's something that's new. And if you look at the energy demands on the grid, they're just going up. Artificial intelligence, it's kind of the word of the day. Everyone talks about it. It is expected that a data center that is supporting artificial intelligence is going to require two to three X what a current data center does today, right? And data centers kind of always end up in and kind of the high level of the list of who's taking the power from the grid. And so that's key. And then, you know, one of the interesting things that utilities can end up doing here specifically in the United States and, and actually North America overall is actually be part of helping close the digital divide, right? And so there's the fact that the grid is not only a path for supporting delivery of power, right, but also may now be a path for supporting the delivery of broadband. That's this kind of additional thing that utilities have to be thinking about with the electric grid. And how do you see these changes actually impacting the grid? Certainly, there's the building out of more transmission lines. If you actually even kind of look at how the utilities have had to spend on the grid over the last few years and how that's kind of being seen changing, a lot of the capital expense have been going into the distribution network over the past few years as it really kind of follows strong housing starts. But now as you look at the things we've just talked about and the bringing on of more renewables and the real need to deploy a greater level of energy, that spend is starting to transfer back to the building out of transmission lines. 
And so that's certainly kind of one of the impacts. And that, and by the way, all of this, everything we're talking about here is going to drive really a need for a communication network that is able to kind of support the things we're talking about. I mentioned kind of those climate change challenges. That could be anything from storms to forest fires. Our news is filled with what actually just happened, you know, the terrible disaster that happened in Hawaii with the fires. By the way, a fire that, for, you know, some, they're actually wondering, you know, was there anything to do actually with the electric utility there as a potential spark, right? It's what we saw in California as, as well. So there, utilities are actually really looking at, do they underground parts of their network? And so kind of that undergrounding of the transmission and the distribution lines is definitely kind of much more heightened than it was before. And then you really have this transformation of the grid that's going to be happening. We talked about that kind of increase of renewables, that increase of electric vehicles. What that's really projected to do is put a greater amount of kind of energy generation and storage behind the meter, right? You have these distributed energy resources that are out there. You have the electric vehicles that we'll be having. That's all putting you know, what has generally really sat on the grid side actually behind the meter. So kind of inside our homes, inside the businesses. But the electric companies are still kind of responsible for managing all that and now dealing with that. And so that's a significant impact on the grid. And then all of it really forces that kind of transforming the level of intelligence that's in the grid itself. And that's what drives back to that need for a very low latency, high bandwidth network kind of deeper into the grid than it's been before. Sean, what are some challenges utilities face making these changes? In some ways, they're legion, right? The challenges that the utilities have, because they really have an over-constrained problem, and they've got a lot of stuff coming at them. One interesting thing about our utilities here in the United States and how they're regulated and everything is, in some ways, they're kind of incentivized to spend big versus not at all. They kind of have to spend capital to get money back. That could potentially drive them to build out more infrastructure versus kind of maybe investing in technologies which let them kind of get more out of the existing infrastructure. So there's a there's this challenge that they're faced with and what's the best way to, what's the best decision for themselves, right? It kind of makes the utilities have to be profitable, right? And kind of the best way to use that capital. Then you actually have the cost of capital. Generally, the utility segment is more kind of recession-proof than others, but they still face these inflationary challenges that are out there. And certainly they are faced with the cost of energy creation itself. And so that's the thing that they're uh, challenged with. There are regulatory challenges that can really slow rollout of what they're trying to do and a bunch of what they're trying to look at today to build out these transmission lines to really be able to support the deployment of the renewables that we're talking about really are kind of interregional transmission lines. So things that are going to really kind of cross the regions, cross the state lines. Now you're into federal and state regulatory issues. So that's always a challenge. The utilities are also really faced as, as all of this is happening and this really transformation, this modernizing of the grid they're really faced with, you know, what is the right communication network to deploy? Do they deploy a network that's only for kind of addressing the modernization of the grid, right? Or do they think beyond that? That's a challenge that they're faced with in a kind of a different light than before. Because, you know, they need to be able to support a bunch of different things. They have to support the sense and the control of their networks. They have to provide customer services. They have to, in some cases, provide broadband and they have to meet the regulatory requirements of potentially the municipality they're in, the state they're in, right? So they kind of really are facing kind of a plethora of challenges. 
You mentioned modernizing the grid. Can you talk a little bit more about this? Sure. So think about the things that I've kind of just talked about. So as we see it really kind of at the heart of that modernizing the grid, because you're what you're deploying is a lot more devices into the network that are either sensing what's happening in the network, being able to react to what's happening in the network. The fact that now with more power being generated, generated potentially used inside of the meter, what does that actually mean relative to the communicate, you know, connecting down, kind of getting down into the fact of having more intelligence of what's happening on the inside of the meter, right? All of that really for modernization really is the need to be able to communicate deeper into the distribution network to really address this increasing number of endpoints. And so you've got this, again, as we talk about that kind of behind the meter smart devices that are there, utilities suddenly are actually dealing with kind of this exponential increase of data. And that really drives an increased need for connectivity. And I kind of mentioned AI earlier as one of the things that's going to drive the need for more power. But what will also interesting is, by the way, AI will end up playing into kind of modernizing the grid from a computer point of view, such that this data that's being collected is able to work on. So now utilities also have to think about how do they deploy compute power deeper into their network? Again, something they didn't have to worry about as much before. And so what you end up with is this really kind of highly distributed bi-directional mesh network that's trying to address real-time dynamic energy environment, right? And if you look at the grid of yesterday, it really was kind of one way because they sent out power. We took the power. Really, they just wanted to bill us. It is so different now that they really actually need this robust, low-latency, high-bandwidth bi-directional communication to be able to, uh, to address it. And, you know, all of this really, and you think about the service they have to do, it really is forcing the utilities to think kind of about the convergence of their network. And Sean, next, can you explain network convergence? The term network convergence actually comes from the telecom market. It's something the carriers have talked about over the past few years. I'm sure, you know, some of us have Verizon, maybe Verizon Fios and Verizon Wireless or AT&T. Uh, wireless, uh, AT&T, you know, wireline connection to our home. Those in the past were all totally separate networks, literally even separate groups within the businesses. Same thing, by the way, is what you have, you know, as you think about what's happening in utility space, kind of similar. But convergence, what that comes down to really meaning is that instead of having these separate networks, where I'm building out a network that does a wireline network and separately building a wireless network, or I'm building a network that's kind of set for managing, you know, doing kind of sense of control, and separately I'm building out a network that's doing business services, convergence is really putting in a single network, right? That's really built upon both wireline and wireless technology, and it's able to support kind of the real-time communication and control that's needed while at the same time, it's actually able to provide the business services, the residential services, meet the regulatory requirements. And in some of the cases, as I've mentioned before, even actually supporting broadband connections to their clients. And so instead of these all being like two, three, four different networks that are being stood up, convergence is the bringing it down to that single network. And why that's important is it's actually the way to get the most out of your investment. Think about how it, it, the deployment of a network is what's really the most expensive thing. So if you're trying to deploy multiple networks, that's really where you're spending your money. 
And so by really converging it down and building kind of the one network that can converge the things they need to do and address them, that actually allows them to get kind of the greatest return on the investments that they're making. Thank you, Sean. And now can you talk about why it's important to choose fiber? As I mentioned, as more of these devices go in, you really do need kind of real-time communication and control. So, and the other thing is, as we're looking at the investments that are going in, this building out of the networks, we really have to think about them as kind of a generational level, right? You want to put in a network that's actually going to last generations, right? And the utilities, by the way, are really good at that. They really do think about deploying an electric grid that's really deployed for supporting kind of the future. So the same thing is critical in the communication network. So when you look at it, fiber provides the only fully future-proof medium for broadband connectivity. We're nowhere near the transmission limits on fiber. There was a test done, I think the most recent test was done back in 2017, that set the record for the amount that could be transmitted over single fiber, the speed. And it was 160 terabytes. So let me put that maybe in more layman's terms. We tend to think about your service provider is offering you one gigabyte, gigabit up, down. 160 terabits is 160,000 gigabits. That's a way to think about it. That's what fiber, that's right now what we see as kind of the tested upper limit. And by the way, it probably wasn't the fiber that was the limiter. So there's no end to what fiber is going to be able to support. And that's key because if you put in other technologies today, what you might find is a couple of years down the road, it actually isn't able to support the requirements that really we don't know are needed yet. And so the other thing that fiber provides, it's actually the only true symmetrical communication. So by symmetrical, I mean, it is as fast talking down to a device as it is actually here and getting the response from it. Most networks, you kind of, again, if you look at your standard broadband package from your carrier, if you have one, they have a different speed for download versus upload, right? Symmetrical means that those speeds are the same. And that becomes more and more critical when you actually kind of really need to be able to not have it be a limit that, oh, by the way, I can only read back information at a slower speed. And the other thing is kind of driving fiber deeper really provides a greater level of control and optimization of that distribution network, which then drives and enables network efficiency. And so that's part of what fiber can enable and then security. Security is always a top of mind for all of us, but definitely within our grid. Fiber has much less threat of actually being breached than, let's say, other communication means such as wireless. And then the other thing actually is fiber is not susceptible to electromagnetic pulse attack, which is something that is one of the things utilities do have to worry about. So fiber is not susceptible to that. So it actually ends up being a very secure medium as well. Next, can you describe some key trends in fiber installation and technology? Absolutely. So a key challenge, not only to the utilities, but really actually across the globe right now is kind of getting skilled labor to deploy these types of networks. So what's definitely key in trends that are focus in fiber and other areas is really how do we help de-skill the installation process? How do we really make it easier to make ads to the network, you know, take things out of the network, change the network? So a lot of thoughts around plug and play of the connectivity, a lot of thought about actually how you make that network kind of accessible and flexible and expandable. One of the cool innovations in fiber is, you know, if you look at an electric utility, letting them actually deploy the communication network in the supply zone. 
in part of the network deployment that's theirs, right, up in the supply zone. And so cable technology known as ADSS is actually cable that can be deployed up in the supply zone first down in the communication zone that's below the neutral, right? The, down in the communication zone is where you'll have a carrier deploy. Because we've actually have solutions like an ADSS-based fiber solution, that allows the utilities to deploy in their supply zone. That actually reduces their costs, it reduces the make-ready costs, and it lets the utility use their right-of-way. And so that's a key thing as an enabler to the utilities in the grid. There's advancements even kind of even beyond fiber. If you look at how to attach how to actually attach to the poles, right? There's innovation that has to happen there, right? There's the advancements in that connection hardware that's absolutely key that allows for the fiber then to be deployed more effectively. There's a lot that's going on in the area of optical connectivity, the kind of improvements in things that are called like splice enclosures. That's where the splicing of fiber happens, right? Improving those, really driving kind of a greater ease of use designing what's called field installable connectors so such that you can actually attach a connector to a piece of fiber in the field really with performance that's almost as good as if that connector had been connected to the fiber back at a manufacturing facility but letting the guy do that in the field there's continued fiber advancements driving really down the size of the fiber and the reason that helps is it drives down the overall outer diameter of the cable that actually allows for you can achieve higher density fiber in that cable and the more fiber you have in the cable the greater amount of bandwidth that cable can support the more people can support we've got advancements in what's called modern flexible ribbon fiber which really has been transformational in the amount of fiber that you can put inside of a cable where now you actually have cables that have thousands of fibers in them and they're actually smaller than kind of traditional loose tube cables and fiber with significantly less, like maybe only like 144 fibers in them. It truly is this transformational thing. And the other thing is actually allows for easier deployment right? Ribbonized fiber allows you to actually do what's called mass fusion splicing. So instead of kind of splicing one fiber at a time, you're actually able to splice 12 fibers at a time. So you actually end up with generally about an 80% throughput in the splicing advantage when you're actually using modern flexible ribbon. And that's key, right? If you think about how do I actually reduce my cost, most of that cost is in the building of the network. By being able to take this out, it actually very much helps them. So those are really some key things that have happened in the technology space. Thanks, Sean. It sounds like the technology has really come a very long way. Absolutely. And continues to. Innovation is continuing. It just continues to happen, right? What's very, very cool in all of this is that there are multiple market segments that are driving this innovation. So it's not this just kind of this one, let's say telecom or just the utilities. You actually have really this, uh, I'll overuse the term convergence, but this convergent need where the telecoms, the grids, the large data center providers, all of them are actually driving these advancements that fiber is addressing. That's wonderful. And Sean, what do you think is important in tomorrow's grid communication network? Sure. This one, I guess I can keep to a really simple, probably one sentence response. And it's actually a quote from one of the utility customers that we've talked to. What that gentleman said is, if you can't connect to a device or a location, then you can't control it. So that really is what's important to the communication network. You've got to have that connection. And Sean, what do you think the industry should think about addressing this? So there's an acronym that we've come up with here that we call SAFER, sustainability, accessibility, 
flexibility, expandability, and reliability. The reason we came up with that is the thought around what do the industries need to think about the electric utilities being one, telecom carriers as well, actually anybody. What are the things you need to think about when you're actually building out a network? And it really falls down to those things. We have to today be thinking about building and deploying sustainable networks. And that sustainability, I actually mean by being environmentally friendly, sustainable. We have to keep that in mind as we move forward. It's certainly something that is a societal trend and drive that we have to respond to, but you know, truly do believe it is the absolute right thing for us to be doing. So as we're building out these networks, that's key. But you also need to make sure this network you're making, as I mentioned before, it needs to be a network that is generational, that's going to last generations. And for that to be the case, it has to be a network that's easy to access, easy for you to be able to go back in and be able to access it to add new things, add new houses, add a new reclosure. And it needs to be flexible. You can't build out a network that's its deployment is so rigid that if you want to go change something, you literally have to build a new network. So you have to build in a network that has that flexibility today. They kind of, I'd mentioned kind of plug and play before. That would be one way, kind of modularity and connectivity. Another way is that modern flexible ribbon I talked about. That specifically is designed to be easy to access after it's been deployed, and it's very, very flexible. So you can actually overbuild. You can put in more fiber than what you think you need today allowing you to build, to kind of, you know, grow on it later. And so that kind of gets to that expandability, really actually building out a network that allows that future expandability that, you know, building in kind of using what's called kind of hardened port connectivity such that, so what you actually have is not the fact of, okay, I've made the one connection I'm passing on my street. Oh, I now need to add something else that that becomes really hard instead actually kind of designing in the right connectivity that allows you to very, very easily connect in the new devices. It's very, very important, by the way, the device manufacturers work with the optical providers in the industry to make sure that they actually have the right connectivity on their devices that are going in the network. That's a, another key thing that would support expandability. And then of course, reliability. We need to build and almost more so than any place else, our electric grid must be reliable and it must be resilient. And Sean, what else would you like to add about the topic of fiber through the grid? I think the absolute key thing, and hopefully it kind of came out as, as I was chatting here, right? You know, network and grid operators, they need to design for future needs and not just the challenges today. They're making an investment that really will last the generation. And so that's a key thing that they need to actually have in mind. And that's why we believe, you know, fiber is core to that because of that future proof, because of the things it brings. The only thing we can be certain of is we do not know, you know, what the grid and the communication control network, which supports it, the challenges it's going to face a decade from now. That's kind of like the only thing we can be certain of. Maybe we could also be certain that those challenges will be even kind of potentially bigger challenges than what we have today. So that means that really, when they think about it, deploying a fiber deep network provides the flexibility, the expandability, and the future accessibility, which will support those needs of the future, because that's what you have to be designing for. And that's actually why we call it fiber through the grid. Sean, thank you so much for joining us today for TD Talk. Thank you. We really appreciate you taking the time to share your insights on fiber through the grid technology and applications with our podcast listeners. For more information on AFL's follow the power approach, visit www.aflglobal.com. 
Also to listen to other TD podcast episodes, be sure to listen to the Line Life podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to all the episodes on TD World's special podcast page at www.tdworld.com backslash podcast. Thank you for listening to TD Talk. Thank you.